Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. us, it starts to be a little bit too intrusive sometimes and a, and a little too uh, uh, inconvenient. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I get that experience, like something I cannot deny I'm seeing with my eyes in the physical material world, and I go, either I have to ignore that or it's God. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and so today is one of those instances as we talk about one of the reasons that Jesus came into the world, one of the reasons for the season is that Jesus is our healer. And, and so, uh, you know, this is an interesting topic when we talk about healing. I, some friends of mine, uh, where the church I used to pastor at, I lived down in Rockland County, and some friends from there, we'd play soccer together. Uh, none of the guys that I played with went to church, and uh, so we, we got to be good friends. We were out to dinner one night, like four of us guys. And uh, they know I'm a pastor, and, and we're just talking about different things. And the, one of my friends is like, let me ask you a question. My, my wife has this cousin, and, and her cousin is, is at a ministry school, and they're telling her she can heal people. And, and he's like maybe like kind of nominally Catholic, Irish Catholic background, doesn't attend church regularly. And, and so he's kind of like, I, like I, I don't think she has any business doing this. Like, you know, you know, maybe you could do that. Like, you're, you're a pastor, I guess. But, like, I don't think she should be doing this. Do you ever feel that way when it comes to talking about healing? Like, I have no business getting into this. Like, maybe there's some people who are more pious or holy or have credentials or something. Maybe they can do it. They have kind of some kind of special gift. But, like, I don't really think I should be doing this. I don't think you should be doing this. You know what I'm talking about? Right? So that's what I feel like happens sometimes when we're talking about healing and talking about Jesus, our healers, is, you know, maybe, maybe my friend's wife's cousin was, was kind of crazy. Like, I, I don't know why she thought she could do that. Was, was she out of line? Like, was that too much for her to think that she could be involved with seeing people healed? Was, was this just like a weird kind of fringe thing on the side and they shouldn't have been making it part of the core uh, things that were happening when you're getting ready for ministry? It's like a side thing. If it happens, that's great, but we're not going to really like go there. Does that, anyone who's grown up in church, you ever feel like that is part of the, the Christian experience sometimes of like, like healing might happen. We're not really going to like go there though. You know what I'm saying? This is my experience growing up. I grew up in the church, uh, and uh, even in um, more charismatic circles sometimes, it was still kind of like, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen. Uh, and, and so it just kind of left you thinking, like, maybe, like, some people accidentally get healed by God. And, and so I'm kind of like, do we, do we even need to bother with this nowadays? Does Jesus need to be our healer in 2022? Don't we have modern medicine now? Don't we have so many uh, amazing uh, health things and, and, and preventative care? And the answer is yes. And this is not, please hear me right up front, this is not a knock on any kind of modern like practices that can help prevent so much health and, and, and help prevent so much sickness and things like that. But, but my question is, is like, we don't really like need to, we can just rely on that now, right? Like we don't need to worry about Jesus being our healer. Maybe that was good news 2,000 years ago when they didn't have modern medicine, but now we're okay, right? We don't need that so much. 
believe it or not, there was a 2018 study that was done by the um, National Center for Biotechnology Information. And in 2018, they said chronic diseases are uh, among the most prevalent and costly health conditions in the United States today. And they said uh, approximately 45% of the American population had a chronic disease. The, the health care professionals in the room know what I'm talking about. And they know that now, four years later, the CDC reports that 60% of people in the United States are living with chronic disease. And in the past few years, especially with the pandemic, I, I think all of us have a different kind of experience of sickness than maybe we did a few years ago. It feels a little more fragile when we get sick, right? And some of that's good. Like, I know we've had a string of, like, our, our family staying home because one kid gets sick after another, right, in our church. And it's just good. Okay, that's good practice. Like, you're sick, stay home. But, like, we're much more aware of this now than we have been for a long time, I think, right? So there's all of these people getting more and more sick. Even though we're living longer than ever, it seems like, we're getting chronically sick, and we're getting chronically sick to the tune of $3.6 trillion a year, according to the CDC. 90% of what is spent uh, annually in the United States on health care is spent on chronic disease and illness every year. $3.6 trillion. So... To say we rely on modern medicine more now is actually very true in practice, but th should that be the place, considered all of this, where we're putting our ultimate hope for healing? And, and this even is very obvious, maybe sometimes so obvious it's, it's missed, in the medical profession. What do doctors say they do? They practice medicine. No one's figured it out. Yeah, there are things we know really, really sure about. Wash your hands, it cuts down on germs, right? We, we, there's things that we do know. And the medical professionals in the room can, can explain a whole lot more to you about what we know for certain. But there's always an element of we don't know what to do with this. We're, we've hit a wall. We've hit the extent of what we know. We've done our best with what we are trained in and what the, the research and the science has shown us, what we've discovered up to this point. So... I think our best approximation, as good as some things are, is we're able to practice medicine, but we do not have a healer. And, and so I think with all of the uh, illusions that we've had now stripped away that, that we are really impervious to things, especially with the pandemic, it, it's really put us in a situation of what do we do? What do we do about chronic illness? What do we do about all of the people that you know that have kind of given up hope that they're ever going to feel well again. I've known a lot of people with all kinds of ailments that they just kind of live with. It's not necessarily killing them, at least immediately, but man, their quality of life is terrible. It's like the woman that was bleeding for 12 years in, in the Gospels. She was living, but she wasn't living. And, and, and so here, here's the thing that I, I want to share this morning the basic point of what I want to get at today is this, is that Jesus has not just come into the world for your salvation. He has not just come into the world for your sanctification. Healing is part of the gospel. Jesus paid for healing in his death and his resurrection. 
And the good news of Christmas is that Jesus has come into the world to also be our healer. He hasn't just come for your soul. He's actually come for your body. And as I mentioned at the beginning, this is the shift these next two weeks where it can be kind of hard for us to make that jump. And we'll get into more of why that is in a moment. So here's what I want to do this morning is is we're going to walk through three parts. I apologize if this feels a little bit teachy, but I, I find with the subject of healing, it's important to make sure that you know that this is deeply biblical. And, and, and that we're not just pulling this out of thin air and it's like we imagine that people are getting healed or we think this is a good idea or maybe God's powerful so we just assume he must want to heal. I want you to understand how deeply biblical this is, but not only that it's biblical that God heals, but that it is part central to the gospel message. So we're going to walk through three parts. I want to talk about a theology of healing. I want to talk, talk about some of our obstacles to healing. And then finally, what, it look, what does it look like to receive healing and, and extend uh, healing? So first, let's talk about a theology of healing. And I'm going to move through this very quickly. Uh, I'm going to cover a lot of uh, scripture, a lot of ground. Um, and you have that Matthew 8, which is kind of the key passage for us this morning. We'll get to that in a moment. First thing about a theology of healing we need to understand is that sickness and death are a part of the fall. They are a part of the fall the way our sin and our separation from God is. In Genesis chapter 3, as we've been going back to week after week, uh, God saw that, that humans now knew both good and evil. They'd eaten of the tree. They were corrupted in their life. And he said, uh, they can't also eat from the tree of life and live forever. This would not be good for them to live forever in this state. And so they were separated from the tree of life, banished from the Garden of Eden. As a result of that, uh, we have been removed from God's presence, the source of life and health. He is the one who connects us to life and health. So you have to see here that, that sickness and death are a part of the fall. It's part of our sinful nature. It doesn't mean that uh, when you are sick, it is sin itself. But it's one of the uh, things that happens as a result of the sinful world and broken world that we live in. Psalm 103 actually connects sickness and sin together. It says, may I never forget the good things that the Lord does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. And Simpson, who, who uh, is the A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, he said there is an intimate connection between the sickness and the sin, and both must be healed together. Second uh, uh, thing I want to point out with our theology of healing is we've been separated, but it's God who has always been the giver of health and life. In Exodus 15, Exodus 23, there are stories of as soon as uh, the people of Israel were saved from captivity, they crossed through the Red Sea. One of the first things that the Lord tells them is, I am the Lord who heals you. If you obey me, if you follow me, I'm going to keep you from getting any of the sickness, any of the disease that came upon the Egyptians. And you have to serve, and, 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 and I, will, I will bless you, I will take care of you, I'm going to protect you from any illness. And then there's this crazy story in Numbers chapter 21. I'm sorry, I'm going very quickly through this. Are you all with me? Some of you. Okay, good. Uh, 
it, it talks about how uh, the, the people were, were sinning against God because they were saying to Moses, it's just better for us to go back to Egypt. You don't know what we're doing. We, we don't trust you anymore. And what happens is they get struck with uh, bites of poisonous snakes. Their, their sin unleashes this. It's a strange story where these snakes get released into the camp, uh, and, and they're poisoned by these, and many of them are being bitten and dying. And, and so really strange thing that happens is God tells Moses, put a staff up with a, a bronze snake on it, and anyone who looks at it is going to be healed. That's the symbol that's actually used in the medical profession today. If you see the staff with the snakes on it, this is where it comes from. And, and, and so God healed anyone who looked at the bronze snake. They were healed. Now, here's where this gets really interesting. We're going to move to the, the next uh, point in, in the theology of healing. It's that Jesus has provided for our healing. And, and just picking right up from where that story leaves off, in John chapter 3, verse 14, guess what Jesus says? He says, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must be lifted up. Where does he get lifted up? On the cross. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So he's connecting eternal life, he's connecting salvation, and he's connecting all of that with healing. He's equating what he did on the cross being like what happened with Moses and the staff and the bronze serpent. And, uh, and finding healing in that. And that brings us to Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. It says this, when Jesus arrived... At Peter's house, Mary's, or excuse me, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. And then she got up and prepared a meal for him. And that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Now, that's a quote from Isaiah 53, 4, which says this. Surely, this is talking, this is a prophetic word about Jesus. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was, hear the language, what does this remind you of? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds... We are healed. This is referring to physical healing, by the way. When you look at the, the Hebrew and the Greek translations of this passage, this is not referring to some spiritual healing or, or a nice warm feeling of being whole. This is talking about sickness leaving the body. This is talking about disease ending in the body. This is a very specific word that's used. It's not talking about a spiritual or a psychological change. This is talking about the wounds of Jesus on the cross paying for our healing physically. Jesus's death on the cross, his blood, his wounds, they have become our source of healing, not just of a spiritual or a psychological type, but of physical healing. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Not only have, has sin fractured things, God's always been the healer and the giver of life, and Jesus was the one who's provided for healing, but get this, it goes a step further. Jesus has now invited you and I to be his agents of healing. Mark, chapter, uh, 
This is not the right reference, but it's the right right text. At the end of the book of Mark, because I don't have the right chapter, Mark chapter 16, I think there's a one missing in my notes. Uh, Go into all the world. This is at the end of the book of Mark. Jesus says to his disciples, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And then he says this, these miraculous signs will accompany you apostles. No, that's not what it says. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And they drink anything. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. And then he says this. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. So Jesus is saying, I have made healing available for all of my people. Now I want you to go and walk in this authority that I'm giving you to heal. Anyone who believes, not just you right here, apostles, anyone who believes. And you see that throughout the book of Acts. It wasn't just the apostles that were healing. Then then these people who were not the original apostles start seeing all these miraculous signs and wonders happening. That's actually when the, the Jewish establishment starts to get the most upset is when everyone starts walking in the authority that Jesus has given them. And why would the Apostle Paul in Romans and to the Corinthian church, why would he list healing among spiritual gifts as he was writing these letters to all non-apostles? It's not relevant to them, right? But it is. Jesus has invited every one of his disciples to not only receive healing, but to lay hands on others who are sick and see them healed. Not because there's something about special about the prayer you pray, about your format, about the experience you have, about how much you know. It is all because Jesus' death on the cross has paid for every sickness and every disease. Just a couple clarifications when we may say healing. What we are not talking about here is medical healing. Medical healing is good. Thank God for medical healing. Uh, but what I am I'm, I'm learning, and I was very convicted studying for this and, and, and preparing for this, that, yeah, to say God used the doctors, amen, he gave them wisdom, that's not what we're talking about here is divine healing or God healing someone. Praise God if, if, if you're able to go and get what you need at the hospital or at your doctor's office. But that's different than what we're talking about here. Are you with me on that? Okay. Uh, this is also very important to understand. This is not receiving healing from some kind of energy source or, or some kind of uh, uh, other kind of spiritual energy or, or, or reality. Uh, that is explicitly Uh, commanded by God in the scriptures for us to not engage in. Because what gets communicated, and and see, this is opening up a whole can of worms, and don't worry, I'm going to address all the but, 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 what's going on in just a second. Um, what What gets communicated is this is just energy, it's just all around us, it's fine. The reality is, is this is demonic power to heal. It's, it's false fruit. So, we have to say two things. One, there's supernatural power, unseen power out there. That's not God's power. God created these, these entities, 
and they have rebelled against God just like humans did, and they would love nothing more than to bring you under their influence by giving you power to do different things. This is where power for the occult comes from. This is where energy healing and all those kinds of things come from. It's, it is real spiritual power. Please make no mistake, but it comes with demonic influence. Everyone's going, why did I come to this church? <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to get there in a minute. So this is why, by the way, the Apostle Paul says to test the spirits. Okay, you got healed. But uh, Paul says, you don't, don't judge by whether it's God if they get healed. Judge by their fruit. This is why Paul never says, hey, if they have these gifts of the Spirit, they're a mature believer. He doesn't say that. He says, check the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. This is what shows whether someone is walking in submission to the Lord Jesus or not. Okay? So I just want to make that very clear. That, that is what is, is determining that. And so we are called to test the spirits. Because we're like, how do we know they got healed? It must be God. Test the spirits. Be wise in that. Ask questions. Uh, Jesus himself, this is what healing is, divine healing is. Jesus himself becomes and is our healer and our healing. He, he becomes, his resurrected body, his resurrected life becomes life where our body is failing and lacking. We, we are given the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit restores and energizes and, re and heals that which has been sick, injured, broken. Jesus himself is our, our healer. So summary of our, our theology. Sickness and death are a part of the issues of this fallen, broken world. God has always been the giver of life and health. Jesus, through the cross, has provided for our healing. And not only that, Jesus has now given us authority and invited us to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. Now, the second part of my message are obstacles to healing. This is, like, we, we might go, okay, I agree, that all makes sense, it's logical, it's rational, but that doesn't actually happen still. We're still stuck. We're still stuck a lot. Anyone just feel stuck? Like, okay, I see it's in the Bible, but it, does it really happen? We've got uh, four main obstacles I want to highlight. This is not exhaustive. Uh, but um, first one I want to talk about is worldview. Our worldview is a massive obstacle to healing. I want to go back to the story I shared at the beginning of my friends out at dinner. Uh, he says, you, you know, maybe you could heal, but I, I don't think my, my wife's cousin could do this. And we begin to talk about worldview, about how he and I, and I do mean specifically just the two of us out of the four of us at the table, grew up in a world that had uh, what, what uh, my friend Rob Reamers calls the Scooby-Doo effect. We grew up in a world where behind every seemingly spiritual, supernatural problem, there was a logical, rational explanation. That's the Scooby-Doo effect, right? It's not a ghost, it's the janitor who's bitter that they're closing the museum. That, that's teaching worldview. But if you watch a modern episode of Scooby-Doo, sometimes the ghost is not explained at the end. Did you know that? Worldview in our, in our Western culture is changing. 
worldview is changing. And, and so, so I'm talking to him about worldview and how, you know, it, it is very normal in most places in the world right now and all throughout history, it's normal to hold natural remedy and some kind of spiritual unseen power for healing with each other. And, and those are, they're very comfortable holding those two together. Most cultures around the world, Western rational uh, thinking is about a 500-year blip in a specific region of the world. So now to the other two friends that are sitting at the table at dinner. One of them is from India originally. The other is from Ecuador originally. And both of them told stories, yeah, when someone's sick, they'd go to the hospital, but they'd stop by the shaman first. And the other one said, yeah, my brother had a heart condition, and they took him to the witch doctor first. They also went to the hospital. You see, there, there was no issue holding those two things together as uh, solutions and, and, and part of the healing process. But, but what's happened to us in the Western world post-enlightenment is we've gone, well, if I can't see it, smell it, measure it, taste it, it's not real and it doesn't exist. But that's been changing more and more and more and more. I, I shared recently how uh, if, if Wicca were a, a kind of organized religion, it's very loose and not, not organized as like a, a, an overarching group, but if it was an organized religion, religion, it would now be larger than the Presbyterian denomination. This is mainstream. West Milford is a place, Warwick is a place where this is mainstream. This is a normal part of people's worldview, and the problem is, is that Christians often and churches are stuck in modernity when that's not even what the Bible teaches. But we've been co-opted by this worldview, and it's made us powerless in our Christian walk. Now, hear me, we don't want to go grabbing at things out of fear and grab for power that's not meant to be grabbed for. That's demonic in nature. That's what the Bible calls witchcraft. But we need to, in submission to Jesus, receive the power for healing that he has made available. Second uh, obstacle we run into when it comes to worldview is a poor theology. Poor theology, I'm just, there's a lot of different things you could talk about with this, but a lot of times we get stuck on the, like, well, maybe they'll get healed if it's God's will. You run into that? They didn't get healed. It must not be God's will. Now, we're not saying, and I'm not saying that God can't use sickness to teach us something deep and help us in our sanctification, our spiritual formation journey. How many of you known someone that's wrestled with a serious illness, serious disease, and God did something so deep in their soul and there was such surrender through it? God can work in spite of sickness, but I want you to understand that sickness is not his will. I love what A.B. Simpson says about this. He's a little bit cheeky when he says this. He says, perhaps no objection is more strongly urged than the glory that redounds to God, sorry, it's from the 1800s, uh, from our submission to his will in sickness and the happy results of sanctified affliction. Are you following me? He's saying, this is silly. People are saying like, well, God must want this to happen to me because look how it's sanctifying me. Yes, God can use the sickness, but Simpson's saying, this is crazy, this isn't God's will. He says, well, if those who urge and claim to practice this suggest, uh, this suggestion would really accept their sickness and lie passive under it, they would at least be consistent. He says, but do they not send for a doctor? 
and do their best to get out of this sweet will of God? Oh, that's a burn. That's an 1800s burn right there. That's a mic drop. They didn't have microphones, I don't think, but if they had them, he would have dropped one. What do they have, a, a Vitrola or whatever? What's the big thing with the horn? He dropped one of those. He dropped one of those. You see, you will continue to run into obstacles of experiencing healing and praying for healing if you are not convinced that it's God's will for people to be healed. And the scripture is full of it. You just need to be willing to go where God is leading you in the scriptures. Be convinced of this. Please don't be convinced only of, oh, I experienced it, so it must be true. Be convinced that the word of God is saying this is so. Another objection I want to get into. Are you all doing okay? Another, uh, uh, not objection, but obstacle for us, kind of connected to worldview, kind of connected to our theology, is this idea called dualism. This is going back to where I, what I was saying at the beginning was a struggle between the first two parts of this message and the next two. Here's what dualism basically is. It comes from Plato and a lot of Greek uh, philosophers, but essentially it means this. Eastern philosophy gets into this too. Dualism says my spirit, my soul is good. My body and the physical material world is bad. And what God wants to do is save me from the world the material, the physical reality. And he wants me to prioritize my soul, my spirit, because that's what matters when I get to heaven. Now you might be thinking, that sounds like Christianity to me, except that the Bible never says we're going to heaven. It says we'll be with Jesus when we die. But what is the scripture ultimately pointing at? There's a new heaven and a new earth. We will be raised physical resurrection in our bodies. That's when people go, I'm out. This is getting weird. Because we're comfortable in dualism because it lets the unseen kind of just kind of live over here. We can compartmentalize our faith and kind of go about our business in the material world. And we, we tend to believe that, you know, when it comes to dualism, that like, okay, well, they didn't get well. Like, does God... That's secondary to God, right? Yeah, I know he doesn't want them to be sick. Maybe we're not stuck on it. It's God's will. But it's like secondary. What matters is my soul. We have those arguments too, and we rationalize it away. But God came for your whole person. God came for your whole person. This is good news. You know, what we don't do is, is say, um, oh, I sinned again. It must be God's will that I sin. No, what do we do? We contend for holiness. But we don't do that when we don't, when we don't get it right praying for the sick. We go, God must not want them well. And we walk off. What if we contended for healing the same way we contended for holiness? I'm not saying this is going to be perfect. I pray for people all the time and nothing happens. But if I contend for my sin and, and my holiness the way I contend for healing... Woo, I probably wouldn't be up here talking to you right now. So we have to overcome this obstacle of dualism. That this, this spiritual soul world is more important. Jesus, this is why Jesus is still, you know, Jesus is still right now in a physical body before the Father. Do you think he just shed that when he was ascended to the Father? 
He is there, fully God, fully man, the embodiment of heaven and earth coming together right now before the Father, interceding for you and I and all of creation. That's what Hebrews says. That's amazing. And he's standing there, heaven and earth personified, spirit, God, and body, the material world. He's doing that, standing there before the Father because it all matters. Don't get caught up in dualism. Don't get caught up in dualism. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. That's something that has co-opted us in the church. And then finally, one final obstacle, and there's kind of three pieces to this that I want to hit on, is one of the obstacles we run into with healing is a lack of spiritual authority. A lack of spiritual authority. Jesus, one time, he comes down from the, the mountain that he was on when he was transfigured, and some of his disciples are, are trying to cast a demon out of someone, and it's not working, and they can't figure it out, and they don't know what's going on, and they've tried and tried and tried, and they've cast demons out before. Jesus had sent them out to heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons. And like, but why isn't this one working? Like, man, we've been so successful. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. He's implying that there is a, a level of, I, I hate using the word level, but there's an aspect to intimacy with the Father that you have not walked in yet. There is an authority gap between where you are at in your walk with the Lord and what you are trying to move spiritually here. Are you with me? Okay, so, so our spiritual authority is, is something that we have positionally because we're in Christ, but we also have to kind of use it like a muscle and, and learn how to walk in more spiritual authority. So that's why one time you're praying for the sick and nothing happened, and you contend and you contend and you contend and you contend, and then it happens, and then somehow it's a little bit easier to see things happen. Maybe not every time, but like, oh, I'm starting to see some people get healed. Your spiritual authority has grown. And there's, there's different aspects to this, and we're going to hit on these a little deeper in a second. But just our authority, it comes through intimacy with God, right? It comes through submission to Jesus. This is so important because this power that Jesus has in his, for healing is not something we can be flippant about. It is something we need to be in very, very strong obedience to him. We need to be in submission to him and his will for our lives if we are to grow in authority. This is why it's so important to come into the light with issues of sin and everything like that, by the way. Because if we have stuff that's undealt with, then, then we're compromised when we try and go and serve our neighbors and those we love to see them get healed. Because we're out of submission to Jesus. So, our sin can get in the way of our spiritual authority. Sometimes fear gets in the way. Fear of other people, what they'll think, what they'll think of me. If I pray for healing, they're going to think I'm weird. They might already think you're weird. Just go for it. That's okay. Or, or fear of failing. How many of you hate failing? I know you're perfection, recovering perfectionist in the room. You're, you're terrified of failing. I'm terrified of failing. And then I'm terrified of failing, and then what people are going to think of my failure? And it just gets worse and worse and worse. So that fear is an obstacle to seeing people healed. And then finally, our faith is an obstacle. Now, now I want to make this very, very clear. Your faith 
does not heal people. Your prayers do not heal people. Jesus' finished work on the cross heals people. You access that power and that authority through faith. Does that make sense? We're going to get into that a little more in a minute because I, I, think, I hope it's helpful. Uh, but, but we walk without faith or don't access what's available to us in faith. And, and, and we, oh, I didn't see anyone healed. And then we beat ourselves up because we didn't have enough faith. When faith isn't what's going to heal them, but it's going to give you access to all of it you already have. I talked last week about trying to live when you're bankrupt, when you have this huge bank deposit, this huge account to pull from, and you're not pulling from it. It's the same with healing. All you've got to do is put that withdrawal slip in. All you've got to do is type in that pin. It's there. That leads us to, to the, the third part of the message this morning, receiving Jesus, the healer. So I've given you a theology of healing, very quick overview. We, we've talked about some obstacles that tend to get in the way of us being able to walk in this. They take along, especially the worldview ones, the dualism one, the bad theology one in particular, those can take a long time to like get over. But the only way you're going to get over it is by practicing the opposite. You can't just think differently and then one day it's going to be fine. You actually have to behave differently because what you behave in line with, that's telling me what your worldview is. Your worldview is more about what you do and how you behave than about what you say you believe. Yeah, I believe God heals, but then you never pray for a person who's sick. Your worldview actually isn't that God heals. Your worldview is that he can't do anything. So how do we shift into this thing where we receive Jesus as our healer? I, I want to come back to, to uh, a couple things I mentioned before. First, you need to confess your sin. The paralyzed man that was lowered through the roof, you know that story? His friends like ripped the roof open because it's too crowded to get to Jesus, and they lower him down. And he's there before Jesus. What does Jesus say to him? Do you remember that story? He says, your sins are forgiven. And then he heals him. Not always is this the case, but sometimes your sickness is directly connected to sin in your life. Now, it's not going to be vague. Please hear me. Jesus is so loving and tender, he's not going to be like, well, you have sin. And then you can never figure it out and you're stuck. That's condemnation from the enemy. When Jesus, when the Lord convicts you of sin, it's so specific. This is it. This is the thing. This is when you started to act this way, think this way, behave this way. Whatever it is, repent. Walk in this new way. It's specific. And the reason it's specific is because he loves you. He's not trying to keep you down. He's trying to raise you up out of this. And so when, when you are freed and confess the specific things that he's inviting you to, I've seen people confess uh, unforgiveness. I've seen people confess to different sins in their lives. And that happens first, and the healing follows. So confess your sin, because sometimes, not always, they're connected. Other times, like when the blind man was there, the Pharisees are saying, well, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus says, neither of them sinned. This is so God could be glorified. So it's worth checking. Do I need to confess sin? Does this person I'm praying for have sin to confess? Do that gently, please. 
do that gently. My go-to is I'm hearing the word, I'm praying for them usually, and if I get a sense of that, I'm hearing the word unforgiveness. I'm hearing the word sin. I'm hearing the word something maybe very specific the Holy Spirit's revealing to you while you're praying. Does that mean anything to you? And let me tell you, if they are ready to confess their sin, it's all coming out. If they're not, don't control them. This is their decision. Do you want to get well? Jesus asked that question of people he was praying for. Do you want to get well? What kind of question is that? And you think about it. Do I really want to get well? Do I want to do what I need to do in order to receive this healing? All right, you all with me? Confess your sin. The second one, very quickly, contend. We talked about this before. Don't give up just because the first person you prayed for didn't get healed. Our job is not to heal. Our job is to lay hands on the sick. Just free yourself of that weight and that burden and that responsibility. And keep going. Keep going back. Ask why it didn't work. Try and go back to the Lord in prayer. This is how your authority grows. Contend. Finally, uh, one, one more. I need a volunteer to close this out. That's mean. Johnny, I think you need to do it because you just have volunteered, Lindsay. Um, can you grab that chair for me and bring that chair up here? Actually, you know what? Here, just use this. Just use this. You're going to sit there anyway in a minute. Okay, don't sit on it yet, though. Just stand here. Just stand here. Okay, Th this is the last thing I want to I talk about, and we're going we're gonna to close on this, and we're going to go into a time of prayer because I, I want us to just spend a minute praying for healing this morning. Um, the, the last thing I want to talk about, if you're going to receive healing from Jesus, you need to walk in faith. You need to access what Jesus has made available for you in the cross, okay? Remember, I said faith doesn't heal, but it receives the healer. It receives Jesus, okay? So, Johnny, do me a favor. Can you just sit down in the cajon, please? Go easy, easy, easy. Wow. That was very brave of you. That was very brave of you. Now, why, why did you sit down when I asked you to? Because it's here and you saw it. Yeah, but how do you know it's actually there? Okay. Yeah, but you didn't, when you were standing here, you couldn't feel it on your butt. So how did you know when you sat, it, you weren't going to fall on the floor? Oh. So you're saying you've developed a comfort out of time and time again doing this. Do you think when you were a kid, you missed the chair sometimes and fell off? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to point out something. Give Johnny a hand real quick. You can go sit down. I, I want to I point something out about faith. Here, here's, here's how faith works. Faith is, I know this is going to hold me up, so I'm going to sit. Now, I, let me ask you, is my belief that this is going to hold me up keeping me from hitting the floor? But, I, but I'm thinking really good thoughts. It's not going to keep me up? Are you sure? What's keeping me from hitting the ground? itself. But if I didn't have belief, if I didn't have faith that that was going to hold me up, would I have even tried? No. This is how healing works. My faith is going to access what the cajon provides, a place for my butt to sit so I don't hit the ground. But if I'd say, I don't know, or if I make it too much about me, how am I going to hold myself up? 
How am I going to keep myself from hitting the ground? It sounds crazy when I'm talking about something to sit on, right? That's exactly what's happening with healing. How am I going to say the right things? How am I going to make sure that they get what they need from God? Do I even know God's going to show up? It's way too much about you. It is way too much about you. And what Jesus is saying is, I already did the stuff. I have provided healing for you through my wounds. Go and lay hands on people. All you're responsible to do is sit. So here's my question for you today. Are you ready to sit? Are you ready to sit upon the promises of Jesus, the healer? Do you want to sit upon the promises of Jesus, the one who paid for your healing? Whatever sickness you're experiencing right now, whatever malady, whatever disease is running rampant in your body, I don't care if it's a little headache. Are you ready to sit upon and rest upon Jesus, the healer, who has already provided healing? It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.